Greetings, I'm Steve Van Core. This is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host. Each episode, we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government right here in the Sunshine State. I'm really excited about this episode because I got to tell you, we did a preliminary interview yesterday and I kept thinking to myself, my God, I wish we were taping. It was so much fun. Our guest is the city manager of, I got to tell you, a crown jewel of Florida. I, the more I read, I don't know how I missed Safety Harbor. And then I started reading about it. I've been in the area. I've been to Clearwater, Clearwater Beach. I spent a lot of time in Pinellas County and how I missed. Matt, are you guys hiding? Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, Steve. Well, thanks for having me. I I think, I think, uh, yeah, some of our residents, uh, like us to be the jewel of Tampa Bay that's hidden. And, uh, some of our residents want to be more well-known and, and over the years we're, we're certainly, uh, growing to, to get a good reputation in Pinellas County and across the state. So, so is your, is your town sign says, welcome to safety Harbor, just keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I think it says jewel of Tampa Bay, but, uh, yeah, the jewel of Tampa Bay came up during our last visioning process and. And that's that's what the residents believe. And, and that's really, really how we feel about this uh, small, quaint little town in Pinellas County. You know, you hit the word right on the head I, and the nail on the head with the word quaint because oak covered tree uh, sidewalks, uh, streets, a cute little downtown, uh, vibrant, uh, cool outdoor indoor restaurants. Uh, describe Safety Harbor for those who, like me, have been in that at Pinellas a thousand times, but have never been. Sure. So we are located between Tampa and Clearwater. And for the most part, we are what you might call a bedroom community. So we have a lot of different subdivisions um, and residential neighborhoods. And then we have a historic uh, downtown Main Street uh, where it's 10 blocks. It encompasses the Safety Harbor Resort and Spa. It's located right on Tampa Bay. And it's our heart of our city, our, our downtown area. Yes, um, northern, like northern-ish Pinellas, right where the bay sort of begins to end, right? The northern, northwestern part of the bay. That's correct. People say we're on the sunrise side of the bay. So uh, Safety Harbor residents on their walks every morning get to watch the sunrise over Tampa Bay. Well, and they get to watch the sunrise in part, and we're going to get into this, in part, some of the work the city has done to protect and preserve the quality of life. And there's two aspects to that. The first aspect is the CRA. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about the CRA, your particular CRA, what you guys have done. And then, you know, the common theme was land buying, buying sensitive lands, buying accessible lands, and then utilizing that to improve the quality of life. And conversely, some people think, well, that'll lower your tax rolls, actually increases the tax rolls because it, in, in the surrounding areas. Let's start with the CRA 101. From your perspective, explain the CRA concept and how it's worked well for Safety Harbor. Sure. So a CRA is a community redevelopment agency. And what the agency does, it establishes a district or an area. And in that area, we put together a redevelopment trust fund that is approved by the county, by Pinellas County and by the city of Safety Harbor. Ours was created in 1992. Uh, we last updated the master plan in 2012. And basically it takes the tax revenue or the TIF revenue from the county and the city from every incremental year from the base year, and it adds that that tax revenue back into the CRD or the district. So there are requirements on what can be spent in that area. 
um, mainly think capital projects. So think capital projects or reinvesting in the infrastructure, the hardscapes, the business community, things within that CRA, um, not maintenance responsibilities, but more of streetscape, hardscapes, buildings. So let me make sure I understand this. You, you have an, a geographic area. That's your CRA. We establish a baseline, $50 million in taxes. Every dollar above 50 million, instead of it going to the county, city, whatever, it sits in the CRA. And then that money gets reinvested into that geographic area with limits. That's correct, Steve. Our base year, the ad valorem value in our CRA was $32 million in 1992. And in 1992, when we started, a single family residential property in Pinellas County was going for 72,000 and in our CRA it was going for 45,000. So we were, we were below the countywide average when we began in 1992. And the idea was for downtrodden areas, areas that were suffering from economic uh, um, infrastructure crumbling and stuff like that to say, let's take this area as a special area grow it, keep reinvesting in it till it grows. So what's the median house value? Can I buy a home, a <laughs> yeah. 3,000 square foot home right now for 72,000 in safety uh, No, no, I, I don't think the lots are going for less than uh, two- a parking six. spot. Yeah, 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 parking is free in Safety Harbor. So parking in our downtown is free, but uh, but the lots themselves are going for a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, just for the residential lots. Our taxable value in the CRA from the base year has gone up more than 478%. So almost 500% since the base year. And this past year, we're at $153 million in the CRA, which is our- Oh my gosh. So is the county mad they want some of that money? <laughs> well, we're working with them right now, actually, to extend the CRA for 10 more years. We, when, when you do a CRA master plan, you come up with goals and objectives. And we still, believe it or not, have a few that we need to accomplish. One of which is to uh, expand our Safety Harbor Library. We are fortunate. So in our downtown area, it's not just the businesses in our downtown. We also have city hall. We have a fire station. We have our public library. We have small pocket parks. We have a large waterfront park. We have a Rigsby Center. We have a museum and cultural center. What's a Rigsby Center? The Rigsby Center is a, rec a rec I'm sorry, yes, a recreation center. Okay. So a, a recreation center in our downtown. And then we also have a museum and cultural center in our downtown. So it's, it's the business community, it's the residential community in the downtown, but then it's also the city of Safety Harbor. And we're all invested in, in our downtown and in our core of our city. I mean, it sounds like, of course, I know what a CRA is, I've seen them. Some of them haven't worked as well. Uh, this sounds like this is really working very well. Yes, it has. And it's really, it's really taken off the last few years. So the first 20 years from 92 to 2012, it, the, the value increased $7 million. In 20 years, it went from 32 million to 39 million. Um, so it wasn't until the last really 10 years that we started to see the downtown master plan being implemented by the private community. So- And you're doing things like expanding sidewalks, putting in medians, making on-street parking, making it free. Sure. So the first thing the city did back in 92 was a streetscape. So they went up and down and they redid all of Main Street to add parking spaces, walkability, sidewalks, landscaping. That was the first thing that was done to try to invite the business community to start making investments on, on their private property side of the sidewalk. Um, we've done things such as a corridor of beautification projects. We've added parking in the right-of-way wherever we can add parking. We've partnered with downtown private property owners to actually add public parking on private parking, uh, on private lots, we've added public parking. Um, we've 
we've, well, we'll get to parks later, but we've, we've done a lot with our parks and, and really reinvesting in the city's infrastructure within the downtown. Um, and then the last few years, we've seen three or four major projects come through. Um, we've, we've had a condo building that was built. We have a second one that's being built right now, and then two mixed use buildings, and then an apartment building, all within our our community town center, which is our highest density area of our downtown. So we saw some really three prominent vacant lots be, become developed over the last few years. And that, and that, of course, then generates more revenue for the CRA, which gives you more opportunity. Is there a point in time where you say we've achieved our goal, we're going to go ahead and sunset this thing? Or does it, does it morph and continue to change in your experience? Um, so, so there is, and, we, and we're having that conversation right now with Pinellas County about, uh, about when, when, when that sunset will happen. We're looking at maybe a 10-year extension, and then from there, we'll be able to finish our goals that we have, uh, really not add any new goals, and then sunset. And then once it sunsets, the, the, the district goes away, and uh, the county TIF revenue also goes away. So that's the, the county has been a major partner in this too. Um, I don't want to um, understate that. They're, they're that's essential to a successful CRA. When the, so when the counties and the seas are at war with each other, nothing good happens. Correct. Absolutely. And so they've been a big partner, not just financial, their financial resources, but also some economic development um, activity and help in our downtown. And we couldn't have done it without them. So right now they're putting about two thirds of the revenue for our CRA comes from the TIF, the TIF revenue. The other third comes from uh, city taxes. What does TIF stand for? A uh, tax increment financing. So that's the that's that difference from the base year. Okay, and that and that money comes from that. So is it possible when you're doing a CRA to share back some of that money when you write the documents to say, but the county will get X, you know, because they're providing other services, et cetera, if there's a county road and you want to make maintain it, or is every CRA dollar has to go into the CRA to be spent on CRA? projects. Each CRA can be different and you can negotiate that with the county. And actually that's part of the discussion now. Pinellas County has new criteria. And in that criteria, they're looking at being an equal partner. So they're looking at being at a 50-50 share with the tax revenue. So that's something we're talking about with Pinellas County right now. You know, by the way, this this is a great example because a couple of years ago, um, the legislature wanted to go ahead and do away with or make so heavily restrictive that CRAs became untenable. And when I see this on the ground, it's you guys working hand in glove with Pinellas County in a cooperative arrangement and the money is being used, being used correctly, and it's making a difference in that community. I mean, you guys really are an example. You took a downtown that was a little you know, run down, not being utilized, created the CRA exactly the way it was supposed to put the money back in. And now that downtown is really a, a beautiful little jewel uh, in, in the county. Yeah, yeah, it's thriving. Uh, we... We are uh, very successful. Years ago, we, we we still put on many special events in our downtown and at our waterfront park. But years ago, the events are, are are basically the only thing that brought people here. And so you can talk to business owners that were here even 10 years ago. And it was our third Friday events, our wine festival. Uh, we were known for our events. Uh, this last year has has with with no events has has proven that our downtown can certainly thrive without events. Um, and, and our downtown has done pretty well, at least recently, you know, maybe not the beginning of the pandemic, but at least recently, uh, the last few months, our downtown is really thriving. We haven't put on a special event since early 2020, and it, it hasn't stopped our residents and our neighbors from coming out and enjoying our downtown. Oh, that's interesting. So pre-pandemic, well, 10 years ago, the, the, the draw was events, get people down there. 
But this reinvestment in downtown in that downtown area um, has just you've leveled that out. You no longer have like like I live in Leon County. We have a, obviously as I see your Seminole flag. You know, Florida State football game. So all six Sunday, six Saturdays a year, six weeks in a year, we have you know ten million dollars worth of local economic development going on. What a great what a great idea! It's a home game, <laughs> but leveling that out is critical. Yes, and. And we had that influx a couple times a month. And in fact, there were small merchants and small business owners that would would tell us that, you know, if it wasn't for that third Friday or for that wine festival, that one day a month, they, they weren't, they wouldn't, they didn't know if they could be in business the following month. And uh, we're not hearing that as much anymore with the, with the restaurants um, that have opened up and the shops that have opened up, up and down Main Street, there, there's a vacant building. Well, I'm sorry, there, there's a, there's a building that was vacant since 2004. And over the last year, it's the first time we've had a tenant in that building since it was vacant in 2004. There are no vacancies downtown. Um, they turn and over. That's amazing in a pandemic world. Yes. The rest of the world is go- was going the opposite way because of that reinvestment, because of that vibrancy you guys created. It sounds like you're going in the exact opposite direction. I'm sure it wasn't easy for our business owners. There's some, you know, we had to partner with them to try to do things to keep them open. But, uh, but certainly some of these plans were also in the works before the pandemic, but yes, you, pe- pe- people, you talk to land landowners in downtown safety Harbor and, and if a tenant wants to leave for whatever reason, they're not worried about filling that space. Well, give me an example. I want to, this wasn't on my plan, but give me an example. One of the things you did to partner with them to help the local businesses. Sure. Okay. So, um, whether it's our sign ordinances or our seating ordinances or our tent ordinances, we basically haven't uh, we haven't enforced any of them since really April of 2020. So we have restaurants that have outdoor seating areas that they never had before. We have restaurants that have rented uh, professional tents that are up on private property, uh, or in some cases in parking spaces uh, that in areas that were uh, private parking that are now now spread out so that people can enjoy eating, but they can spread out and not be inside. So those are the, some of the things we, we had, we, we relaxed our sign regulations. I think one, one business owner had a sign hanging from a tree and a stop sign in downtown safety Harbor for a few months. And, uh, we eventually had to put that to rest, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was all, it was in the right away. It was like a billboard, but you know, we understood that they were trying to sur- survive and uh, everyone was, and there were new rules that we were all, um, adjusting to. So those are some of the things. Well, that's, that, that's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, these rules come from usually the one bad actor, you know, we create a rule, you know, don't anybody leave this, their bologna sandwiches in the refrigerator because that one guy left it for a month. Right. So you create a rule. Uh, are there any rules? So this is a kind of a hit, a hit refresh on some of those things. Sign ordinances, outdoor seating, tented seating, et cetera, et cetera. Are there any rules that you're going to say, you know what, um, let's not unroll that. You know, obviously hanging signs from a stop sign, DOT is going to love that. Is there, any, is there anything you're thinking about? You know, let's keep this in place. Yeah. So there's, there's actually three major ones right now that we're talking about. So we're currently not a golf cart community and in Safety Harbor. So we are looking at potentially becoming a golf cart community because we, we realized during the pandemic that we had a lot more golf carts in Safety Harbor than we believed we had. Uh, we're looking at our cafe table ordinance. So what can we do to help our businesses downtown with cafe tables within the public right of way? And then we're also looking at our tent ordinance. What, uh, what is a cafe table? What do you mean? By uh, so, so, so a cafe table is a small table for a restaurant 
and it's in the public right away. So it's on a sidewalk. It's still, you still have access for ADA. So you can still walk up and down the sidewalk, but the business is basically occupying some space within the right of way for their patrons uh, and they serve their patrons in the right of way. So we've always had them, but we're looking at, we're looking at ways to make them safer and maybe expand them. So those are three things that we're looking at right now. um, And we have been uh, to, to look at how we can change that moving forward. Excellent. Excellent. So you've done something else to transform Safety Harbor as it grew. You know, we we interviewed with Sheila Rose from Coconut Creek, who, you know, the Coconut Creek versus surrounding areas, they went after a, a land buying spree to buy sensitive land, to buy park land, to buy, you know, a lot of outdoor space, a lot of easement space. And it's really made a difference. You know, you can drive in, you know, from Pompano to Coconut Creek and see how beautiful it is. Heavily tree-lined streets, um, the developments are off, and then, you know, a lot of tree buffering going on there. A lot of communities are doing that. You guys did something, I think it was kind of interesting, and some of the land you purchased. Talk a little bit about that and the value that has brought to the quality of life and the economic value of the community. Sure. So, specifically in our downtown, we were, a couple of years ago, we were partnering with a business owner who was looking to have to relocate his business out of Safety Harbor because there wasn't an office building large enough for his business. So there was a vacant parcel of land. Long story short, we partnered with him to build a mixed-use building, provide some public parking, and then also some apartments in the heart of the downtown. Well, during this discussion, the land that that this uh, individual purchased and, and built on was a vacant parcel of land that had been used for years for just parking for our events right right on Main Street, right in the heart of downtown. And there were some trees on the property that no one wanted to see go. And so the discussion uh, ensued about, you know, what are we doing about other vacant parcels of land in the downtown that are strategically placed? And, and are, we, are they all going to be developed? Well, there was one literally across the street from this development. And it's called the Barnoff Park. And it was a small parcel, but large enough to where someone could build on the parcel in the heart of our downtown. And so immediately, as we were having these conversations with this property owner to build this mixed-use development, we were, we were also having conversations with the landowner next door about purchasing, purchasing the parkland. And the parkland has some history in Safety Harbor because there's a tree on the park, and the tree is known to be either the, the first or second oldest tree in Pinellas County. It's right in front of our library. It's a beautiful, picturesque uh, setting and tree. And the tree itself was never on city property. It was on this private property owned by, by a private individual. And you, we had an agreement with them. So we maintained the property and we, and we put up fencing around the tree and a little plaza off center of the tree so people could enjoy the tree. Well, everyone that come to Safety Harbor thought that the city owned the tree. It looked like a park. It looked like a public park. So um, everyone just believed that we owned the tree and we didn't own the tree. So so we took this opportunity and really what we looked at was we looked at the ad valorem revenue that was going to come in from this new project that had just been approved by the city commission. And we looked at over a, a 10 year period, we could easily take that, that uh, tax revenue and turn around and purchase the property next door, which is now a pocket park in our downtown, right in the heart of our downtown. Ironic, it's almost like a micro CRA at that point, right? That extra money would go into right next door. Exactly, bingo. And so. So we purchased the property uh, and it included the tree. So now we do own the tree. 
And not only is it a beautiful part downtown that you could walk by at any point, there'll always be people there. It's also across the street from a Starbucks. So that helps. Um, but it, but as you drive down main street and you look at the park and you look at the tree, what's behind the park and the tree is our beautiful library. So it, it that entire area is now preserved as parkland tree and public space with our library. Uh, and we were able to do that with CRA tax revenue. Well, and it's amazing when you preserve a piece of property like that, especially in the heavy urban area, the, the utility it gets, the number of people who go there, and then people come take pictures. It's the thing to go see and do and be around, even if it is uh, an old tree. By the way, I was thinking about this. This is, you know, I trust that you know what the oldest tree is, that this is the second oldest tree in Pinellas County. Why don't you and I go out with a chainsaw one weekend? We won't tell anybody. We'll find the oldest tree. We'll cut it down, and then we can have the oldest tree in Safety Harbor. What do you think? Oh, no. I don't think that would be wise. (laughs) There'd be a warrant out for both of us. Um, Yeah. You know, it depends on who you talk to. Some arborists say we have the largest tree. I hear there's another one either in Clearwater or Dunedin that might be larger, but, but it is a historic tree. Uh, It is a very large tree. It's a beautiful tree and it's right in our heart of our downtown. Um, But also similar to some waterfront property. Tell us that story. Yeah. Thank you. So, so a few years ago, the Safety Harbor Resort and Spa, which is located right downtown, uh, was going through a restructuring process and they had 15 acres of land on the back of their property. In order to make the numbers work, they were looking at selling the property to a private developer who was going to build a handful of private homes on the back of the property. And once we caught wind of that, we, uh, we the city decided, you know, it'd probably be a good idea if we purchased that land and created a, uh, a waterfront park out of it. So. We negotiated with the with the spa and also the uh, judge who was in charge of that restructuring. And long story short, this was back in 09, 10, we purchased the property for a little under $2 million. And we've since uh, developed a park on that property. So there's a walking trail through the mangroves. There's 15 acres, some of it wetlands, some of it mangroves, some of it natural shoreline. We took out an old seawall and added a living shoreline added some shade structures and some pathways and some lighting. So we, we always had a marina down, downtown with, with a small veterans pocket park and then also a, a pier. But now we were able to add this land to that land and really increase the size of our entire area down on the waterfront. So, and, and preserve it for future generations, which was the so short-term thinking is, wow, we'll build, you know, several multi-million dollar homes here and we'll get all this ad- revenue. We can increase the city services. Long-term thinking says, let's preserve this area make this a better quality of life community, uh, protect a little bit of the environment, but provide great recreation space. And then what happens is the nearby community all increases value because of this town jewel and you end up with the same amount of revenue right to provide the services but how you've protected your quality of life and you can just wipe out that view absolutely and 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 not just for our residents think of all the visitors that are coming in to stay at the spa from from really all over the world and and you know i don't know many places where i've i've you know, rented a hotel room and looked out back and saw a, a luxury home on the water, you know? So e- even, even for the, those people that are visiting us from all over, they have a nice trail to walk on and they have a nice park right out their back balcony while they stay with us for a week or a weekend. So it seems to me like what you've been, you, you entered this thing with the CRA already. Tell me a little bit your thoughts about long-term investment in the city. Cause you know, we, it's hard to, 
do something you don't see immediate return on. But you're, you're, it sounds to me like Safety Harbor is where it is today because people 20, 30, 40 years ago and now currently have longer term visions. Tell me a little bit about the visioning process. Sure. So we went through that process back in, uh, like, say, 2010. And really, really, at the time, the city wanted to preserve what is our downtown. And, and, and when I say downtown, they talk about things like height and setbacks and character and the types of building and the stock of the building. So our downtown has a maximum height of, uh, well, maximum stories of four stories in our most densely populated. The rest is three stories max. So when we talk about a downtown, we're not talking about downtown Tampa or downtown St. Peter, Clearwater. Um, so that was important to kind of maintain that that vision of keeping a quaint downtown. But then also you talk about the infrastructure. So it's not just the pretty pinstripes, right? That's the that's the parks, that's our library, that's our recreation services. But then really looking at our stormwater, we have a lot of creeks uh, that we're working on now to try to improve those creeks from erosion issues. Um, and then our water sewer. We're, we're a small city of 18,000. We provide the same services of our neighboring cities uh, that are much larger. So we're looking at keeping that infrastructure in place so that we can enjoy enjoy everything that we've done over the last few years. Well, you talked when we talked yesterday, you said what's funny is a lot of people in the in the adjacent communities now describe where they live as Safety Harbor, even if I mean, that's great branding. When when your neighbor doesn't say I'm from Community X, they say I'm from Community Y and they don't really live in Community Y. Yeah. So we have uh, DeSoto Estates, which is just south of Safety Harbor. It's, it's technically in Clearwater but it is east of McMullen Booth Road. And so those residents, when you ask them where they live, they, we all know they live in Clearwater, but they, they, they claim to live in Safety Harbor because they're, right they're right down the trail. It's a short walk or a bike ride to our downtown. And uh, we have residents that live right there in Clearwater, but they, they call it South Harbor. That's pretty cool. I, I was reading your resume and I saw a phrase on there that I've never heard of before. And I've been in and around city government for a long time walkability audit. What is an, what is a walkability audit? Sure. So, um, it, it's pretty simple. Actually, you, you get, you get a group of friends or in this case, it was fellow employees and passionate residents of safety Harbor. You grab a clip clipboard that has, uh, different questions or criteria on it. And you pick a point in the city and you walk to another point in the city. And as you walk, you're looking for you're looking for issues that a pedestrian or a bicyclist may have as they're traveling from point A to point B, and we were we were the first one. Uh, we partnered with Ford Pinellas at the time. We were the first one in Pinellas County to do it. Now I'm sure many cities, uh, many cities are out performing them. And and once you do one or two, you won't walk on a sidewalk again without looking for uh, different things, whether that be ADA ramps, whether it be crosswalks, whether it be just unsafe conditions for a, of a car and a, uh, or a vehicle and a pedestrian or a vehicle and a bike. And, and where are the issues? There could be a sign that's out of place. There could, be a, there could be a tree that is a young tree that was just planted in the wrong spot and maybe needs to move a little bit because it's in this visibility triangle. So looking at every aspect of the road and we'd start at point A and go to point B. And as you walk along, you stop at every intersection and you walk around and you say, okay, if I'm a bicyclist and I'm coming from that direction, what am I going to encounter? If I'm a walker from that direction, what am I going to encounter? And it requires getting out of the engineering studio and getting, getting the pen, pen and paper away, but really walking out there and seeing it, feeling it, touching it. 
That's right. Yeah, what, did, they, we, did, did somebody put a 5G box right in the middle? Of the <laughs> yeah, yeah the, you'll find things. You'll find cars parked in the right of way. You'll find, you'll just find, you'll find uh, areas that need improvement. And that's what we did. And so now that we've trained staff, now that, you know, when staff is out and about, they're looking for these things. And residents are too, because when we did that walkability audit, we invited the community. So we invited residents to join our staff and we went hand in hand and and walk two routes in safety harbor and you know two pretty busy routes too i uh, i'm an avid cyclist and one of my um sometimes you're forced on the sidewalk you don't want to be but sometimes you have to get on the sidewalk coming up to a bridge that's really narrow you know you're going to cause a lot of tension with the cars and you get on the sidewalk and now these things these scooters are all over the place i, I don't know if you guys have that and i'm astonished that somebody's business can be predicated on leaving I'm sorry, trash right in the middle of the road that you can abandon a scooter and they'll, they'll fix it for you. Very dangerous for cyclists. And I, I trust for pedestrians. So you guys have any of that happening in safety Harbor? Thankfully we do not have the scooter movement. Um, hopefully we won't, but um, not, not to that degree. I've, I've seen what, exactly what you're talking about um, going to games in Tallahassee. Uh, and I'm an avid cyclist myself too. And I, I, I traverse downtown St. Pete a lot and they have them down there. Mm -hmm. They have certain zones they can be at. So they haven't really become an issue, at least in St. Pete from what I've seen. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're a concern, you know, when, when you start adding things outside of bikes and pedestrians, yeah, whether it's, whether it's a scooter or in our case, it might be a golf cart. So yeah, what do you, where, where will people, will they be treating them like for parking purposes, like cars or are you going to set up separate golf cart parking? So that's the discussion right now is that we would basically treat them like cars. So um, there, there's a state law that, that de uh, describes what a low-speed vehicle is. And a low-speed vehicle is really the same thing as a golf cart. Um, it is street legal. It has a VIN. It has a tag. And it has ins license and insurance. A golf cart doesn't have to have any of those. It can, but it doesn't have to. So, so the, the local commission here would establish an ordinance that would state the rules that you must have for a quote golf cart. And then we, when we would have a study done to see which roads you can travel on, cause you're not allowed to travel on state roads or you're not allowed to travel on County roads. So there are a couple pockets of our city that we would be creating islands and they would be stuck in their Island uh, with their golf cart legally. So we're having that discussion now there's, you know, it probably started off there were 10 or 15, now we probably have 100 or 200. We're neighbors with Dunneen. Dunneen has about 1,000 registered golf carts. And Oldsmar, which we're neighbors with them, they just, they just went the golf cart route. And there's about 100 there, too. So they're, they're growing in, in popularity, that's for sure. That's it. Very, very interesting. So one of our uh, final questions uh, we ask every guest is tell us something. And we, we've, it's funny because the whole show has been about how cool St. Uh, Safety Harbor is. But what have we not talked about that you're like, you're dying to tell people about Safety Harbor? Sure. So, yeah, Steve, I thought about that because we have talked about all the awesome things that we do here in Safety Harbor. But as an avid cyclist, you'll appreciate this. So you can get on your bike. Oh, you could walk it, I suppose, if you'd like, but you can get on your bike at Philippi Park, which is in North Safety Harbor. It's a beautiful county park. You can start there, park there, get on your bike. You can traverse our, our Bayshore Linear Trail, which basically goes all the way along Tampa Bay through Safety Harbor, takes you through Clearwater. Then you can get on the Courtney Campbell Trail that takes you all the way to Tampa. You basically can get on a trail that takes you from North Safety Harbor all the way to, uh, what is that, uh, West Tampa, 
And it's about a, it's about a round trip, about a 25 mile ride. And you're along the water the entire way. You know, uh, it's funny you say that I, I, I was staying in West Tampa Bay and I actually did that. Yeah. You say that we came across and it was clear where we just took the trail all the way up and it was exactly a 25 mile. Uh, it was, a, it was a heck of a trek because the wind was at my, in my face both ways. <laughs> so, so I was going to warn you. So, so at city hall down on Wednesday nights, there's a cycling group that leaves city hall and it does the trek every night. And when I'm packing up at night, I'll see them before they start. And I always tell them, you know, it just depends on which way the wind's going. You, you always want it on the way out. You never want it on the way back. Um, but sometimes you're right. It hits you both. <laughs> well, I, it, it, I've been in this situation where the wind's at your back and this is great. This is great. And, or then it flips around and you're like, Oh, I got the wind at my face, but at least I'll have it on the way back. And then it changes around again. And you're like, I got it on my face both ways, <laughs> Matt. Thank you so much uh, for being on. This has been fantastic, uh, enlightening and uh, hopefully uh, for you listeners, educational. Appreciate it, Matt. Thank you, Steve. This is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City County Management Association. Thank you for being with us. 